As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hop in the sheet Samson. Thanks for, for to everyone for being here today on Friday afternoon. Um, we had a flight later this afternoon. Fortunately, direct from South Bend to Greenville Spartanburg, which is a, I think a rarity to fly direct anywhere for a Notre Dame road game. But appreciate it this weekend. Um, if you've been with us before, thanks for uh, being back. If you're new uh, to the Shamrock Live, it's basically Rational Sports Radio, uh, where I get to interact with you guys. Um, and, you know, we get to have a conversation about, you know, whatever you want to talk about uh, relative to Notre Dame football. Um, I think this format sort of works best if you use sort of the, the audio function where you hop in the queue, I call you to the stage, and you can ask your question live that way. Um, if you don't want to do that, I can take questions straight from the chat. So it's uh, to you guys to however you want to ask the question, but uh, we'll give it a moment for people either to post questions in the chat or hop queue. And then, uh, yeah, then we can get started for, for real. All right. Our first question is from uh, Dan D and wants to know what in the world is happening in Ann Arbor? What do you hear are the likely short and long-term outcomes? Um, so if, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you know what's going on uh, in Ann Arbor in terms of like the surface of Connor Stallions and scouting. And I mean, it's my understanding that he's been to Notre Dame Stadium before um, to scout a Notre Dame opponent. Um, I, I I might have said this on a previous Shamrock Live or a different podcast, but uh, I I still feel this way. I don't think that the scouting scandal is going to keep Michigan out of the college football playoff this year. But I would be surprised if the big 10 didn't at least do something to this team this year with Jim Harbaugh. Maybe that's just sort of keeping them out of the big 10 championship game, uh, making them ineligible for that. I think as any Notre Dame fan can tell you, you don't have to win a conference championship to make the college football playoff. Uh, Notre Dame has proven that uh, being independent and, has proven that being in a conference championship game and losing it. So that part, I feel like 
the Big Ten is going to have to do something. Um, you know, we've reported on the Athletic that head coaches in that league are. I I don't know if I would say that they're they're frustrated or they're irked or just ticked off, but I feel like the Big Ten will have to do something um, to rectify the situation or at least make it feel like Michigan paid some kind of price for it. Um, I. I don't think Michigan is the only school that does this. Um, I just think that they maybe did the worst job of it um, in terms of it being found out. Uh, I, you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan who remembers the 2019 game at, in Ann Arbor, really one of, I've covered a handful of games uh, in 23 years where you're just like, what the heck was that? Uh, but that Michigan game was really high on the list. Um, and I think that you get, it's a it's a game that I get asked a lot about when I do alumni events or you know just sort of other interactive uh, things with Notre Dame fans. It's just like they have a hard time understanding what the heck happened. I, I mean, there's one of the coordinators on that team uh, that who I got together with, and I I asked him about it, and he said that really was one of the games in his career that he looks back on. It just just can't quite understand what the heck happened. Um, you know, at the time, I think. Notre Dame fan, there was some scuttlebutt going around that like maybe Bayless overtrained them on the bye week. Uh, maybe the players got, you know, when they left campus, it sort of let, let their conditioning slip a little bit. I don't think there was really ever a whole lot to that. But, I mean, if Michigan knew what Notre Dame's plays were going into the game, it certainly was a game that felt like that there was something just a bit off there. So, I think the Big Ten is going to have to act in some way um, to appease its membership. Does that mean the college football playoff is going to have to follow suit? I doubt it, but um, hard for me to see the Big Ten not just sort of sitting on its hands here for the you know the, the next couple months and, and letting things play out. Uh, Daniel M wants to know: Do you see Steve Angeli getting a bit more playing time after the Clemson game? He looked pretty good in junk time against Pittsburgh. Uh, I agree. I mean, Steve Angeli did look good uh, on that final drive. I thought, you know, rolling out left and hitting Cooper Flanagan uh, for that 19-yard touchdown was impressive. Um, I don't think it changes a whole lot in terms of, you know, what does Notre Dame do next year at quarterback if you can get somebody like Michael Pratt, Will Howard, um, Dylan Gabriel, um, you know, basically another Sam Hartman or a Jack Cohn. I think you still do that. Marcus Freeman, I think, learned a, a pretty good lesson from in year one and in year two about the importance of experience at quarterback. Um, maybe that's not totally fair to somebody like Steve Angeli because it makes it harder for him to get a shot. But in college football in 2023, going into 2024, if you're Notre Dame or a, a program that's trying to make the playoff, you're just like not really a, allowed to lose games. Um, and Quarterback is a position where if you can enhance that position, you should do whatever is humanly possible to do so. But um, I would, you know, just for the sake of Angeli, whether it's at Notre Dame or maybe it's somewhere else, like I would like to see him get more of a shot, um, assuming the game is under control against Wake Forest and against Stanford. Um, You know, if not for the sake of him proving something to the coaches here that, you know, I should be the guy, take a chance on me, then – Maybe it's a you know tape for coaches at other schools that say like oh this is a guy that we would gladly take um, that could start because I do think Angeli is, is showing himself to be like 
a power five starter. Um, it's just a chance. It's just a matter of finding a, a school or a power five school that gives him that chance. Um, and that, that might be tough at Notre Dame. If you're taking another transfer next year, uh, it could be tough at Notre Dame beyond that too. If you're going with CJ Carr and Kenny Minchie. Um, but I think that Steve Angeli is, he had a very good training camp when we saw him live. It just felt like you were watching a different style of player where, it wasn't like a young quarterback just finding his way. Um, it felt like he was leading the offense and he made some good throws, but I'm not sure I ever saw him in August make a throw that he made against Pittsburgh last week um, where he's rolling left across his body, hits a tight end for a beautiful touchdown. I think Marcus Freeman said this on Wake Up the Echoes, which is their, their in-house show that like he made a hard throw look easy. Uh, and that's, that's the truth. So i yeah, I'd like to see Angeli get a little bit more work here in the final. Well, look, it'd be great if Steve Angeli played the fourth quarter on Saturday, but at least for Wake Forest and Stanford, those are games where Notre Dame, if they take care of their business, Angeli should get more of a shot. And then, uh, you know, whether that is an audition for another school or proving it to the Notre Dame staff, like, hey, we can roll with this guy. I think that's significant. And, you know, you'd like to see him get that opportunity. All right, next up. And a reminder, if you want to hop in the queue, I can call you to the stage um, and then you can ask your question that way. Otherwise, I can uh, just take questions from the chat. Um, next up from Patrick H says nine games into the season with a defensive line looking good. Would you still choose Aaron Lynch as your Brian Kelly era player to add to the 23 Irish squad? I would not. Um, that was something I felt early in the season before the defensive line, I think really turned it on because um, I felt like Notre Dame lacked a kind of a true singular pass rusher. And like, look, Lynch would still really help this team. Um, you know, I'll do respect to Jordan Patello, but if you had freshman year dialed in Aaron Lynch for 13 games at defensive end, um, hard to see how Ohio state would have moved the ball at all. Um and then, you know, would it have made a difference in the Louisville game? Maybe not if you're turning the ball over five times. But um, I guess, you know, if, if you had to pivot there to a different player, yeah, I think I might go with, you know, um, you know Floyd, Fuller, you know, even like a Claypool or a Boykin. Like, I do think the big sort of empty spot in Notre Dame's offense for Sam Hartman is, is the inability to have a physical, bigger body receiver who can do the back shoulder game the way that Sam Harvin wants it done. I mean, that was, it was such a, a, a boon for Ian book to have Claypool and Boykin in back to back years where you could put the ball in the right spot and let him go up and get it on back shoulder stuff. That doesn't mean that like it's an easy throw to make, um, but it is a throw where you need a particular kind of receiver to catch it. And just like, that Colsey had maybe a chance to be that guy, but it just has not happened due to some health reasons. Um, I know he's certainly not as physical as Boykin or Claypool were uh, or Floyd was, but if you could stick one of those players on this team, then, you know, it's like if you put Lynch on the defense, how much better is the defense going to get? It's going to get better, but in terms of wins and losses, there's not a lot of, I think, space to, to or a gap to close there, a gap to bridge. If you put a legit big time receiver on this team uh, where you can suddenly win outside the numbers. I think that now that's the move to me, um, you know, especially Floyd, 
But um, look, Fuller is great. Don't get me wrong. But I think just having a more physical receiver in the Floyd Boykin Claypool mold would have made a world of difference for Sam Hartman. Um, so yeah, Floyd, I think is is the guy now. Uh, okay. Got a couple of questions in the queue. First up, James C., and then we'll go to Catherine B. after that. So, James C., I'm calling to the stage here on the Shamrock Live. Yeah, Pete, thanks so much. Yeah, I don't, for some reason, it didn't work right away. Um, Jim Collins here, Metro Detroit. Yes. So, yeah, great to uh, great to be on. First time on here. This is awesome. So, quick question for you. I listened to uh, your independent podcast with you and Matt, which was great, as usual. Ian Williams, awesome. My question was, uh, knowing a couple things, right? Knowing how good Clemson's defense is and knowing that we will not have Mitchell Evans for the rest of the year. Like, if you, Pete Sampson, were the offensive coordinator, how would you attack Clemson's D this, uh, well, tomorrow, I guess? Yeah, it's Mitchell Evans. It's a huge blow. I mean, he has as many third slash fourth down conversions as the entire wide receiver room combined. Um, so that that's tough. Um, I wonder if if I was Jared Parker, if I I might try to, like, really throw a change up tomorrow um, and do more sort of spread it out, maybe empty formation, just, just to sprinkle it in a little bit to sort of keep Clemson on their toes. Um, it's not like Notre Dame is overwhelmed with speed, uh, but, you know, could you put Tyree and Faison out there at the same time? Um, can you try to push the ball vertically with Tobias Merriweather? Like I know Tobias Merriweather's season has been um, – kind of a down year from what expectations were, but I do think he's sort of the one guy where you can chuck it deep and he's fast enough to get under it um, just to sort of stretch Clemson a little bit. And I guess I just sort of say that in the sense of like, I don't know if I would try to play, invite Clemson to crowd the box and then just sort of beat them up in a phone booth. Um, that just seems to me like without Mitchell Evans and where stays Raritan, Flanagan and Sherwood are as blockers. I just don't think that's the way to approach the game. Um, I, I just think you're you're inviting Clemson to be stronger at their strengths than you are at yours. Um, if you have Stays and Evans, that's a different story. But um, you know, Clemson's secondary is good, but I don't. I don't know if it's like an elite group, um, you know, the, the kind that Notre Dame has run into with Clemson in the past. So it's like, I, I would, I would try to spread them out a little bit as a changeup. I'm not saying I would go, I roll with four wides or anything like that, but I would at least try to spread the ball horizontally a little bit. Um, you know, they've, they've sort of been running Tyree on that jet motion sweep quite a bit. Haven't really hit with it. You know, maybe there's something there, but um I, I would break type a little bit if I was Jared Parker in terms of like two tight ends, three tight ends, four tight ends. It's been such a go-to for them with like, you know, down by the goal line, I understand it. It's, there's, it's successful, but they, it's not like running the ball with out of 11 personnel is, has been like this overwhelming success all season. Um, you know, I sort of try to track that through the year in terms of, you know, yards per carry by formation. Um, and I'm just kind of pulling up there. Like for, for me, what I have them is yards per carry in regular, which is 11 personnel, three receivers, one tight end, one back. Notre Dame's averaging 
6.5 yards per carry. And two tight ends, two receivers, two tight ends, one back, 5.6 yards per carry. Um, interesting enough, the two-back set, that might be kind of an interesting ploy. Um, they're averaging 5.9 yards per carry. Haven't done it a whole lot this season, just 20 carries for 118 yards. But I, I just – I wouldn't try to have invite Clemson to play me in a box. Um, I try to spread it out a little bit to see if I can have some success that way. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover – Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, now we're going to go to Catherine B. If you are uh, still hanging out here, Catherine B., are you going to get you to the I'm, stage? I'm here. I so. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Great. Hey, Pete. How's it going? Good. Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Um. Okay. So, focusing on sort of the environment, I can't remember if it was on the Independent or on the Shamrock, but. You had talked about sort of the significance of the Clemson game being a noon game as opposed to a night game just because of how good the crowd is and how, uh, you know, a, a night game in Death Valley, that Death Valley uh, is a tough <laughs> place to play. After all of the Tyler from Spartanburg stuff, do you think that we see a more intense Clemson crowd than we might have otherwise gotten, notwithstanding the noon time slot? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point because it's like, how much does the fan base respond to Tyler from Spartanburg or does the fan base sort of feel like Tyler from Spartanburg? Like I, I could see a situation on Saturday where if Notre Dame gets up 10, nothing late in the first quarter that like the fans, not that they would like lose interest in the game, but like all the air would kind of be out of the balloon at that point. Like I've covered Notre Dame seasons like this where, you get to a point in the year where, like, even though the opponent coming into Notre Dame Stadium is a brand-name team, the game starts to go a certain way, and there's kind of like a here-we-go-again vibe to it. Um, I think that Dabo deserves a, a much longer leash than what he Tyler from Startenberg was allowing. But um, I do think that the fan base at large could, like, sort of not churn on the team, but I think just sort of, like, lose a little bit of interest in the game. Um, you know, but like, look, Notre Dame has not played well on the road um, in terms of 
the cleanliness of the operation, whether it's NC State or Duke. Um, you know, those have not been like, you know, certainly Louisville, those have not been clean operations. So, you know, whether it is a hostile environment or just sort of like a ho-hum environment, Notre Dame is still going to have to like be on its stuff in a way that it has not been on the road. But I, I guess I would be surprised if Tyler from start Spartanburg turned into some kind of like us against, like, I'm sure Dabo Swinney would try to make it an us against the world vibe, but like. I, I don't think that it's going to fire up the fan base a whole lot. Like maybe the, maybe it gives the team a little bit of juice, but I mean, what, if you're Cade Klubnick, I don't know if you're responding to some random on the coaches radio show is like, all right, I'm going to prepare more. And instead of fumbling the ball, when Maris Leofow blitzes me, I'm going to spin out and run for a 20 yard game. Like that, um, the team effect, Maybe there's something that's minimal, but I think the crowd effect, um, I think that there might, I'm not saying Tyler from Spartanburg was justified in his opinion, but there may be more Tyler, Tyler from Spartanburg's uh, in Memorial Stadium on Saturday than just the one who happened to somehow get on the air for that radio show. Um, Ed J wants to know, is there a specific reason why Notre Dame only plays six home games a year? I was looking at Ohio State and Michigan's 2024 schedules that were released and both play eight home games. Why not play seven at home a year? Uh, so, yeah, I think Notre Dame's ideal schedule is sort of a 7-4-1 model where seven home games, four true road games, one neutral site game. This year was a little bit different just because the Navy, the Navy game typically, when it's not at Notre Dame Stadium, is a home game for Notre Dame. This year, actually, it was a home game, even though it was in, in Dublin. So that it was a little bit different this year because they they basically took the road game or took a home game and turned it into a Shamrock Series game. Usually, that's not the case. Um, but I think from the eight point of view, like Notre Dame, I've had this conversation with a couple of people around Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame wants to ever play eight home games. Like they want to take the show on the road more. Um, I think that bringing Notre Dame to the fan base is a more popular move for Notre Dame than like having the fan base come here. Um, I think next year you've, you've seen reports about Notre Dame playing army at Yankee stadium as a shamrock series game um, in late November. Like I don't, I don't know if that's an ideal schedule because you're playing in the New York area twice in one season, but it's a place Notre Dame really wants to be. Um, you know, it, it leaves Notre Dame with sort of like a, a very mid-level home schedule where you've got Virginia, Florida State, Stanford, Louisville, Miami of Ohio, and Northern Illinois. Um, I think in normal times, if Miami had not canceled their game with Notre Dame next year or postponed it at least, that would have been the seventh home game. And then they would have had just like more of a true uh, kind of that seven four one model that I was talking about where – the road games are Texas A&M, USC, Purdue, Georgia Tech, which is not neutral, but like you're not playing at Bobby Dodd Stadium on campus. Um, you're playing at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which they wanted to do in 2020 until COVID came around. And then the Navy game gets back to kind of a neutral site road game uh, where that's at MetLife. So in an ideal world, Notre Dame would have more of that 741 uh, model for its scheduling. I don't think they ever want to play um 
eight home games. I'm not sure how often they would they would want to play. Uh, I mean, five true road games either. You know, it's like if, this is sort of like the virtue of independence. You're able to control your schedule a little bit more than a lot of other teams. Um, you know, a year from now, that schedule is not complete, but the road games right now are at Boston College, at Miami, at Pittsburgh, at Arkansas. Home games: A and M, Purdue, USC, Navy, North Carolina State, Syracuse. Um, so it's you know that's more that's like up maybe they'll add a Shamrock Series game in there at some point. But um, you know, the Notre Dame doesn't want to do like the the Michigan model where you're just play like where you don't leave your home stadium for the first month of the season. Um, I'm not saying that's a, bad scheduling on Michigan's part because helps you get in the playoff. Um, but it's just not something Notre Dame wants to do. They're, they're committed to sort of taking the show on the road a little bit more. Um, but yeah, the ideal is would be the seven, four, one, not a, uh, a six, five, one, so to speak. Um, Joe T wants to know, uh, I apologize if this is a redundant question as I'm just joining the session. What signs of comfort should I be looking for to feel comfortable about an Irish victory this weekend? I'm extremely nervous about Clemson coming ready to make a statement against our team who have had issues executing away from home. I, you know, it's, I think that's sort of, you know, not to paraphrase Marcus Freeman too much, but like the execution is a huge deal. Like, you should not go on the road, whether it's Clemson or Ohio State or USC or Alabama or wherever you're playing, and have the number of pre-snap execution penalties that Notre Dame has had in some of their road games where you're, you've got, I think, Cam Hart lined up offsides one time. Um, you know, just some dumb stuff that uh, Notre Dame can't, you know, it's, Marcus Freeman uses a phrase like Notre Dame can't beat Notre Dame, like even though they've won two of their three true road games, like Notre Dame was in a position to beat Notre Dame in all three of them. Um, and that's, that's just not something that you can put up with if you're Notre Dame. Um, you know, I, th I think even, and we've seen the offensive line and the, the pass pro get a lot better uh, in the last couple of weeks of USC and Pittsburgh. But when you think back to that Louisville game, the Duke game, um, NC state early, so many free rushers coming at Sam Hartman. It was, it felt like Notre Dame was just not on its stuff pre-snap or post-snap in terms of understanding what the challenge was that a defense was, the defense was throwing at them. So I would say if, if you're watching Notre Dame on Saturday and you see a couple false starts in the first series, if you see free rushers um, at Sam Hartman, I would be concerned. Um Notre Dame can still win playing that way, but I would just be concerned that the coaching staff did not solve a problem that was staring at it in the face. Um, and I asked Jared Parker a little bit about this on Tuesday. He talked about, you know, cadences and snap counts and changing that up, but it's, it's a problem for them to solve. They, they know they have to solve it. Um, and it would, it would give me more confidence about sort of the staff at large that like, okay, here's a problem. They fixed it, took it to Clemson. Boom. We see it in, in, in operation. Um, they go to Clemson and it's still not fixed you do sort of wonder like, all right, do they not have the answers for this? Um, Cause this really shouldn't be something that takes uh, an off season to figure out. I mean, you think back about the Georgia game in 2019, Notre Dame was awful uh, in terms of handling the road environment. Then they got it fixed. Like they never should have had the problem in the first place, but 
Brian Kelly and that staff was able to fix that problem in short order moving forward. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of those things where like the staff's gotta, gotta be on their stuff. All right. Robert C. Uh, you were uh, you Robert, Q. Robert C. I think Robert I've called C. you to stage. Go ahead and get a question. Hey Pete, thanks for doing this. I was curious to see with Stanford, with Stanford joining the ACC, can that become a permanent game for them moving forward, which will allow Notre Dame to open up one more spot to um, schedule somebody else besides in the ACC? Yeah, that's a good yeah, that's question. A good question. And I, I don't, don't, I don't, ha- I don't, I don't have the answer, answer for you on that one. Um, um, I don't know if Robert, I don't know if tech is, tech is, okay, there we go. Okay, there we go. Um, um, I don't know if the ACC is going to make way for that to happen or not. I mean, certainly it would be a Notre Dame preference if you can keep. I know. That I think the fan base has sort of gotten to a point with the Stanford rivalry. We're like, do we need to have this every year? Maybe not. Um, but Notre Dame is adamant that they want to have it. So if you can have that as an ACC game and then open things up a little bit more for other schools, it would be to Notre Dame's advantage if that would happen, or at least it would be Notre Dame's fan base's advantage for that to happen. But um, I don't know what the ACC position is on. That's a question that I have not gotten answered, but it's, it's a good question to ask because that was sort of one of the things that I thought of first. I'm like, all right, if you if ACC adds Cal and Stanford, you know, maybe Stanford and Cal rotate with Notre Dame a little bit. So you're playing them every other year. So you sort of preserve that Northern California trip um, at the end of the season, which Notre Dame likes so much. But uh, it's like, if I'm the ACC, I'm also thinking about like, well, we want more Notre Dame, not less. Um, and sort of not, and sort of letting Notre Dame get out of an ACC game for the sake of Stanford, I think would mean less Notre Dame. And, you know, for the conference, they're, they're trying to make, um, they're trying to make as much money and get on a, a much revenue as possible. So I, it's a good question. I don't, but I don't have a clear answer for you yet. Um Robert Z wants to know what kinds of changes is Notre Dame implementing to try and cut back on the offensive turnovers, or do they think it was just a bad variance? I think that to hear Marcus Freeman talk about the turnovers last week seemed more like variance type stuff. Um, He sort of intimated that Rico Flores didn't do a great job running that route on the first turnover um, and that he wanted to like keep pushing the ball. I think the second one, he's talked about how the play action fake needs to be cleaner from Sam Hartman to draw that linebacker closer. And you watch that replay from the end zone camera or the, the opposite end zone camera. You can see there, there is an open receiver to the far left. Sam Hartman maybe just makes a bad decision there, but I mean, overall Notre Dame's played nine games. They have nine turnovers. Um, that's a decent spot to be. Um, that is 32nd nationally. Um, obviously, they played the extra game here, uh, but at, and they're plus one for the season, um, which is a great place to be in terms of your average turnover margin. That's eighth in the country. So I think turnovers for the most part, I mean, Louisville was an abject disaster uh, in every way. That was much more to me of like, this is a problem that needs to get solved. Um, the Pittsburgh game last weekend, I think was more of a, a micro, okay, what happened on these couple plays? Because um, I didn't feel like the ball was in harm's way a whole lot. Um, and I think we've all watched games where 
you know, I mean, and Pittsburgh could have turned it over more than they did. But like we've watched games where like, oh, they they were so close to two or three turnovers. And I think Notre Dame felt that way about its own defense earlier in the season with fumbles in particular. Um, I don't watch Notre Dame's offense and think like, oh, they're just avoiding these dagger turnovers um, and there's some kind of luck involved in it. So I think that um, Louisville was a problem to solve. Pittsburgh, probably not. Um, I think if Notre Dame can average being plus one in turnover margins from here on out, they'll probably win their last three games. Um, and like, look, if you look at Clemson overall turnover margin, they're 99th. They're minus 0.33 turnovers per game. And they like, they do a good job of taking the ball away, but they are really bad at holding on to it. They've got 15 turnovers lost. Um, they've lost 10 fumbles, which is actually kind of almost difficult to do. That's, almost dead last in the country. Only Nebraska is worse. Uh, and I do feel like when you watch Clemson, particularly Kate Klubnick, there are a lot of moments where like, oh, that was almost a disastrous turnover. Um, you know, they made this fall on the ball. Uh, it bounces in their favor. So I think Notre Dame feels good about where they are from a turnover point of view. And if like, if you can just sort of maintain the averages you've had for the season on Saturday, like Notre Dame will win. I, I cannot see Clemson winning the game if they don't win the turnover margin, um, maybe by at least two. Um, so I think Notre Dame feels pretty good about it. Got a, a last question, maybe from Andrew S. Andrew S., I just called you the stage here on the Shamrock Live. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Pete. Uh, sorry for the late question. Uh, wanted to get a sense on how many Notre Dame fans you think are going to be down there. I'm up in DC and I'm thinking about making the, the trip down tomorrow, but I uh, didn't know if I should expect a green out or not. <laughs> it's uh, I don't think it will be a green out by any stretch, but I cannot think of another time where Notre Dame went to another Clemson, Ohio state, Michigan, USC, um, a brand name school where that brand name school had sort of like an enthusiasm uh, dip the way that Clemson has had. And I mean, I think you, if you look at the ticket prices, they I think are fairly reasonable to get in. Um, so I, I have not heard anecdotally about like a huge mass of Notre Dame fans coming down from the DC area or from the Atlanta area. Um, you know, the more drivable uh, Metro areas to make it. But I do think this will be, there will be more green tomorrow afternoon than there was eight years ago when I was down there. Um, I think there might be more green tomorrow than most other road games I go to. Cause that's like, even when you're going to see Notre Dame at Duke for, you know, per se, like that was one of, if not the biggest Duke home game in 20, 25 years ever. Um, this is not the biggest Clemson home game. Um, maybe even this season, uh, if you throw Florida State in there. And so that that makes me think there's you will have a chance to see a lot more green. I would encourage you to make the trip down there. Uh, I hear Clemson is amazing and beautiful. I did not see any of it eight years ago because it was pouring rain. So I'm looking forward to getting around and sort of checking out the campus a little bit. But um, should be a good game on Saturday. Um, it doesn't have the stakes that I thought that it would back in the off season, but it does have a chance to sort of get Notre Dame 
inside track for New Year's Six Bowl game. I think it has a chance for Notre Dame to sort of look at the season as a success uh, if you go 10-2 and, and, and get to a major bowl game. So it should be should be a fun watch. Um, and if you're following uh, the independent podcast that I do with Matt Fortuna, we will be out. Uh, that will post Sunday morning as usual, but um, it would be a good recap of the game. It should, there's going to be a lot to uh, lot to pick apart from Saturday afternoon when Notre Dame heads to Clemson. So on that note, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for being with me on the Shamrock Live. Enjoy the weekend and enjoy Notre Dame Clemson. <laughs>